not here to make a name for ourselves. We're not here to, uh, you know, just grow some big church or ministry. And, uh, you know, I have no idea how big this thing will get. I believe it's pretty big. Um, but, you know, I don't have any kind of limit or box on it. Um, but we're here to see lives change for the kingdom of God, period. That's why we're here. And I believe that's why you're here. I believe that's why you're here. And if you don't know why you're here yet, um, I believe this year you'll find out. I believe this year it'll start to clue in. This is why I'm at Anchor Faith Church. This is why I'm at a church that's preaching the word like they do, that's preaching the kingdom like they do. And um, uh, one thing I'm really excited about this year, my wife and I sat down yesterday and kind of just went through the entire year, month by month, and planning out what are we doing this year and things that we're looking at doing. And, and one thing that I'm excited about uh, giving a focus to this year is uh, attention on this city and being an outreach to our communities and our cities and uh, finding ways to get involved in what's going on here in Valdosta, Georgia, because we're here for a reason. Amen. You look at the churches in the Bible, and, and they, weren't, they didn't have names like we do today. They were known by their location. The church at Ephesus, the church at Philippi, the church in Antioch, the church in Rome. And so it's exciting, uh, you know, to know that we're here for a reason. And, um, you know, we've already begun to change and impact lives. But the way the kingdom works is you get your life changed so you can in turn change someone else's. And so I'm excited about what's happening in here, but I'm excited about what's happening in here because now we get to take it out and be a witness and be a light to this city. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm glad that I'm called here. Um, and not just that I moved here because you're called here whether you've lived here your entire life or if you've been here three months. We're called, amen, and um, I'm excited about seeing the change. Uh, here on the, uh, the first of the new year, the first day, um, I kind of want to stay in the vein that we've been in um, uh, on Wednesday nights. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit and being led by the Spirit. Um, this is something that I've kind of driven uh, home, my wife and I have just kind of focused on here at the beginning of 2014, so it's real fresh for us and, and our staff. It's kind of where we've been in just really setting ourselves up to be led by the Spirit this year. I, I've just kind of set myself that I don't want to do anything unless God has told me to do it. I don't want to be outside. I don't want to be inside. I want to be right where he's called me to be. And um, so it's going to require us to be led by the Spirit, but something that we've been looking at is that, you know, when you come into the kingdom, not only do you have to learn something new, you've got to un unlearn something old. You know, so a, a phrase that we like to throw out uh, this time of year is out with the old, in with the new. And sometimes we focus more on the in with the new than the out with the old. And we find a closet to stick all the old in while we're bringing in all the new. And we just need to go ahead and throw out the old. And uh, so when we come into the kingdom, we've already been conditioned. We've already learned a way of living. And that is to be moved by everything we see. Our five senses dictate our lives. Our five senses, if it appeals to the flesh, if it appeals to us on the outside, that's what we do. And if everybody else is doing it, that's what we do. But we have come to see that that kind of lifestyle is dangerous in the kingdom of God. We're here to uh, impact and influence this world for another kingdom, another nation, if you will, another country. But we can't do that if we're moved by everything in this realm. And so we have to discover a few things. Um, I, I've got quite a few, a few verses listed, and I'll just let you know this. We've 
uh, I know that we've gone without you version for a while. I've gone back to using that, and, and again, it's just kind of a hit and miss deal with our internet, and I, I, there's just no way for me to fix it unless we experiment with it. So if you have a device with you where you're able to access version, search Anchor Faith Church, or you can do our zip code, uh, you know, the zip code here in this area should pop right up. Tonight's message is simply titled, Being Led by the Spirit. should have all our verses, all of our notes that we're going to go through. We've got quite a bit. Um, uh, if you're not able to get to them in time, they're going to be up on the screen. They'll be in your version Bible app, um, and so you'll be able to follow right along. But here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23, Paul is laying out who we are. We can go ahead and throw that up there. Paul is laying out who we are. He says, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. See, God doesn't just want to sanctify you partly. <laughs> he wants to sanctify you, all of you, completely. You know, Romans chapter 12 tells us that we're even to offer up our bodies as living sacrifices to him, holy and pleasing. Sometimes we think, well, God saved the inside of me, but this outside, you know, forget about it. Well, I can use this vessel for good or evil, and I can kill it, crucify it, and then get it to become an instrument of righteousness, Paul says in Romans chapter 5. But here he says, may you be preserved, sanctified completely, spirit, soul, and body. Spirit, soul, and body. And the dangerous thing about a lot of believers is we never really train ourselves to be led by the spirit. Only by the outside, only by the flesh are we moved. If we hear something, we act. If we see something, we act. Instead of waiting and getting with the Holy Spirit who speaks to our spirit on the inside. The spirit man is the real you. The spirit man is the real you. Okay, I mean, there's all kinds of verses I can be going with here. But over in Corinthians, we find out that what you see is temporary and what you cannot see is eternal, permanent, will last forever, is real. What you cannot see is more real than what you can see. The sickness that is in your body is not as real as the healing that you cannot see right now. But the healing is more real and is permanent and can change the temporary situation of sickness. Okay? We can go all over with this. We've seen this. The spirit man is the real you. So we have to become more spirit conscious. In 2014, the church has to become more spirit conscious. And I believe, like I've said in the past weeks, it is the most harmful thing to the church right now that we aren't being led by the spirit as much as we ought to be. And so I, I've just decided that uh, you know, for our family, for myself as, a, as an individual, and for this church, I'm the pastor of this church, and I'm leading this church, we have got to be more spirit-led. We've got to train ourselves to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Not just do what we always see, not just do what everybody else is doing, not react and act based upon what we hear and what's going on, what we feel, but what is the Holy Spirit saying? Because you'll find out, and if you look in the Bible, if you look in the Bible, you'll find out that a lot of times the Spirit is contrary to what the world is doing. If I only move based upon what the world is doing, I can miss what the Spirit wants to do. 
But I don't want to just do what the world is doing. I want to do what the Spirit is doing. That's the, that's the most real thing. That's the most important thing. And so we have got to become more spirit conscious. Look at Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 is chock full of live by the flesh or live by the spirit. It's all over it. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 13, it shows you the two alternatives. Okay, if you don't want to live by the spirit, here's the alternative. If you live according to the flesh, you'll die. Okay. I mean, anybody here want to die? No hands are raised up. I didn't catch you sleeping. You didn't accidentally raise your hand. You don't want to die. Nobody here wants to die. So we can cross that out. Don't you like those? I mean, multiple choice, I hated that. A, B, C, or D. And then you got, you know, E. Is it A or B? Or e, uh, F. Is it B, C, and D? It's, come on, man. Just give me the two options. I mean, it doesn't have to be any more harder than that. This is very simple. Live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if by the Spirit, you'll put to death the deeds of the body, and you'll live. I mean, God makes things very simple. You know, he, over in Joshua, he told him, you can, you got before you two choices, life and death. And then he even gives you the answer. Choose life. <laughs> it's that simple. Just choose it. I mean, if you still get it wrong after that, there's not a lot of hope. Look at verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. This is not so much a qualification as it is the characteristic. This isn't just the qualification of, okay, if I'm a son of God, I'm automatically going to be led. But this is the characteristic. This identifies if you follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, you are a child of God. What he's, what he's saying here is this is the lifestyle of a believer. This is how you live. This is how you conduct life, led by the Spirit. As many as are led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. These are the children of God. Amen? So that's your lifestyle now. Now that I'm in the kingdom, I'm not just led by everything that I see. I'm led by the Holy Spirit inside of me. And every now and then, he may put me in an awkward situation, naturally speaking. But you know what? Righteousness will stand all by itself. Righteousness will stand all by itself. Ten people can go one way, and you can stand all by yourself and be the only one that gets it right. Because that's how the Holy Spirit operates. That's how he wants to lead and conduct our lives. Look at John chapter 17. John chapter 17. The only way you are going to conduct kingdom business in this earth is being led by the Spirit. It's the only way. Everybody else is saying sell, and you're still buying. Everybody is saying you better go get the flu shot, and you're saying, nope, I'm good. Everybody is saying uh, you better you know, do this with your business, and you're saying, no, I'm going to do this. Why? Because I'm following the Holy Spirit. You're an idiot. Okay, it looks like that on the outside, but really you're the one that's missing it. And if you could get in tune with the Holy Spirit that I have, he could help you out too. So the only way we're going to conduct kingdom business in this earth, in this realm, is if we are led by the Holy Spirit. John chapter 17, verse 16. This is what Jesus says about 
us, not only his disciples, but all believers. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. You're not of the world. So what does that tell us? <laughs> I mean, that, that, there's, there's so much packed into that phrase. You are not of the world. So we have no business doing things the way the world does things. We have no business limiting ourselves to the resources of this world. You know, I, I tell business people this all the time and, and, and people with financial problems. I mean, it doesn't matter if you have a lot of money or no money. It, it all is in the same boat. You have another resource besides this economy, period. Your daddy walks on streets of gold, owns the cattle on a thousand hills. What are you worried about? But that's because we've put our trust and our hope in our paycheck and our job that we go to and do every day. That's my resource. That's the only thing that's going to meet my needs. That's what's putting food. No, your dad puts food on the table. Your king puts food on. He says, don't worry about tomorrow. If I can clothe the, the lilies of the field, if I know every hair that's on your head, I, if, I know, uh, if I can take care of the birds, why are you worried? Are you not of greater value than they? But we limit ourselves to the worldly resources. We look at the economy and, and our government, which we're in a recession. We say, well, I guess it's just going to be terrible. I'm not saying be stupid and spend. I'm saying follow the Holy Spirit. Do what the Holy Spirit's telling you to do. But if we fret and worry based upon what's going on in this world, we're not living according to the Spirit. We're now living according to the kingdom that we're from. We've now be, are becoming affected by the world that we're in, and we're not even of the world. We're not even of it, yet we're letting it and allowing it to limit our lives. The very world that we're supposed to be changing is changing us. You can't change anything around you until you change what's in you. Until we learn to be led by the Spirit in our daily lives, We'll not, we'll, we won't change anything around here. We won't change this world. So we're here to make a difference. So we're to be led by the Spirit. John chapter 14, just a few chapters before this, where he's praying for his disciples, he introduces his disciples to the one person that's going to lead them and guide them now. Man, I, I wish Jesus was still here. I wish that Jesus was still there. I wish Jesus would show up in my room and tell me what to do. Well, look at John chapter 14, verse 16. And I will pray the Father. And he, how many of you think God answers his son's prayers? Okay. So he's going to pray to the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Not just three and a half years. Forever, he's going to abide with you, live with you, live inside of you, make his home within you. Forever. Another. That word another means just like me. Yeah, you have it better than John. You have it better than Peter. You have it better than Matthew. You have it better than all of those disciples that Jesus ate with 
and dwelled with and traveled with and got to sit at his feet and hear every word that came out of his mouth and got to see every miracle. You have it better. Look at verse 17. The spirit of truth. It's a lot easier to understand and reveal a lie when you know the truth. The spirit of truth lives inside of you, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So Jesus is getting ready to leave the planet. At one point, he looked at his disciples and he says, it is to your advantage that I leave. It's better that I go. It's better. Why? Because now my father can send the Holy Spirit, and instead of me being one person hanging out with you, he's got the Holy Spirit that's going to live inside of each and every one of you. Lives inside of you. To what leads you, guides you, directs you. He's now that voice that is speaking to you. He's speaking to you, and he's guiding you, and he's leading you. So, we've got to train ourselves to hear that voice. That's where it gets tricky, is because we allow a lot of voices, but there's only one that has the right answer every time. We allow a lot of voices, and sometimes we have to take moments in our lives where we pull all the voices back and get ourselves calibrated, if you will. It's almost like, you know, if you're uh, messing with the radio, you know, these days they can auto-tune themselves, no problem. But back in the day, you know, you had one of those old stereos and you had to turn the thing, you had that little bar and you're trying to find it, you know. Every now and then we have to do that. Every now and then we allow static in our lives. Every now and then we allow our parents' voices Every now and then we allow our friends' voices. Every now and then we allow the bankers' voices. Every now and then we allow the doctors' voices to come in. And it creates static, and the Holy Spirit's trying to speak over that. What we need to do is we need to shut everything out and just get with the one who knows the answer every time. This year, we need to commit ourselves to being led by the Spirit. And the only way we can be led by the Spirit is if we recalibrate ourselves back with his voice. Get in tune with the Holy Spirit. Get in tune with what he's saying. And so I want to make this easy for you tonight. The Holy Spirit for ages and years and years and thousands of years has been a complicated subject for the church, not just for the world, for the church. We've made it so difficult that now some churches don't even want to talk about the Holy Spirit. They want to act like he doesn't even exist. When he's the, We know all about God. We know all about Jesus. And we know nothing about the Holy Spirit. And he's the one that's with us today. God is in heaven. Jesus is seated at his right hand. The Holy Spirit is the one that's on the earth with us today. Period. I remember uh, Jesse Duplantis, some of you may know who he is. hilarious. Uh, preacher, and, and he actually went to heaven. God took him to heaven. And um, uh, he said that uh, he got to the throne room and, uh, you know, got right where God was and obviously, you know, couldn't stand, you know, had no strength. It's just, uh, you know, couldn't see him. But, um, you know, got there and, and he saw God, you know, 
seated there and he saw Jesus. And he had this question come into his mind. He said, and he spoke it out loud. And, and afterwards, he's like, what am I saying? But he was like, I, you know, there's the Trinity. There's God and there's Jesus. But where's the Holy Spirit? And right as, he, right as the words came out of his mouth, he was like, oh, man, why did I say that? Of all the questions I could ask God, that's what I asked. And Jesus answered and said, he's on the earth. I prayed to my father, and I, he sent him to you. He's down there. And he's like, oh, yeah, I, I knew that. I, I knew that. Was, you know, you think, you think of all these questions. It's one of those things you actually get there, and you're like, what am I going to ask? I mean, I've done that plenty of times. I get in the presence of like a, you know, a real well-known minister or something, and I'm thinking, man, if I, if I was around this guy, I'd ask this question. Any questions? Oh, man, gosh. I know I got a bunch of them. I'll email you. I know it'll pop in my head. It's one of those type of things. But the Holy Spirit is here with us in the earth today. He's the one we need to get associated with. He's the one that we need to learn his voice, learn what he sounds like, learn how he leads, learn how he guides. And so I want to make it simple for you today. I've got four steps that I want to give you to being led by the Spirit. And I promise you, if you put these four steps into practice this year, you will find yourself conditioned and trained to hear his voice and follow his voice over every other voice. I promise you. The first step that I want to give you tonight is meditate on God's word. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 tells us, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. Did you know God wants you to be prosperous? Did you know that God wants you to be successful in all that you do? If he didn't, he wouldn't give you the answer to how. In 2014, this should be your most prosperous year. 2014 should be your most successful year. We should get to the end of the year and look back and say, I am excited about where I am at, and I'm excited about doing more. And the answer is meditate in his word. Now, meditate does not mean hear it and does not mean read it. It doesn't say this book of the law shall occasionally come into your mouth. This book of the law shall occasionally be looked at every now and then. No, meditate has to do with a routine. Meditate has to do with a discipline of being in God's word. Meditate has to do with thinking on God's word. That means I'm always processing it. It's always in my head. It's always in my mindset. Meditate has to also do with speaking it. The word meditate can also be translated mutter. This is something I do at my job on a regular basis where I'll just walk around speaking, muttering the word under my breath, not where everyone can hear me, some, you know, some super spiritual Christian idiot. Look at me, look at how much scripture I know, but under my breath, speaking God's word. There's discipline, there's commitment, there's development involved. This is not a casual thing. This is not just, you know, coming and picking it up on Sundays and Wednesdays. This isn't just, you know, taking a look at it every now and then. This is coming 
to see and understand the word at all times. Day and night. Day and night. Amen? So the first key, the first step that we need to take to developing ourselves, training ourselves to being led by the Spirit is meditating on God's word. Not hearing, not reading, meditating. You know, I can put it this way. Meditating has more to do with what you do after you read the word than actually reading it. Meditating is what I do after I go to church on Sunday. This is not meditating. This is hearing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But meditating is what allows it to stay there. What good is it if we put it in and it falls right back out on Monday? Meditating has more to do with what I do with the word after I've already heard it or I've already read it. And that's something that we've got to practice this year. Number two, practicing God's word. Practicing God's word. Becoming a doer of God's word. It's not the word that you hear that changes your life. It's the word that you do that changes your life. James chapter 1, verse 22. Very simple. But be doers of the word, not hearers only. Deceiving yourselves. We deceive ourselves when we come in here and we, and we hear the word. We deceive ourselves when we pick up our Bible and we read it and then not do it. We're deceived because we think we got something. But it's not going to be able to change us if we don't actually apply it, don't actually find ways to practice the word. Do the word. You know, the Bible gives us so many examples of things that we can do. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 tells us, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your petitions be made known to God. That's something you can practice. We can do that. Do what? Be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about anything. Pray about it with thanksgiving. Let your petitions be made known to him. Don't talk to God about your problems. Thank him for answering your problems. And then don't worry about it. You know, sometimes we get the prayer part, you know, but then we go right back to worrying about it. You know, we cast our cares on God, and then we pick it back up again. No, he said, cast your cares on him because he cares for you. Casting your cares, that's doing the word. Cast your cares. Tomorrow, you'll probably have an opportunity to cast some cares. So do it. Practice the word. Apply the word. Cast your cares. Be anxious for nothing. Do not worry for anything. Pray. Let your petitions be made known. That's doing the word. That's applying it to your life. It's not just talking about, you know, being nice to people and doing good things and, you know, Bible tells me to go to church. No, there's things that on a regular daily basis we can do and apply. Practicing the word. We have to practice the word to develop ourselves, train ourselves to hear and be led by the Spirit of God. Third step, give the word first place. Give the word of God first place. In 2014, give the word first place. What does that mean? 
place value. Place value on the word. Place value on what it says. You know, we've, already saw, uh, we've already seen meditate on God's word. We've already seen do it, practice it. But now place value. And here's another way you can place value. Sometimes we do the word after we've tried a couple other ways to do something. When you give value to God's word, it'll be the first thing you do. When you give value to the word, it'll be, well, doctor couldn't do anything. This medication isn't working. The Advil's not kicking in, so I'll, I'll, I'll do the word. No, when you give value to the word, it becomes your number one priority. It becomes first place. Uh, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20. My son, give attention to my words. Did you know that you could not pay attention to the words? <laughs> Did you know that? that? You could actually read the word but not give it any attention. You could hear the word but not give any attention to it. Give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Verse 21. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. There's a keeping of the word. There's a placing. You can put it somewhere. You can put it somewhere where it can be easily taken away, or you can put it somewhere where it can't be stolen. Place them in the midst of your heart. Verse 22. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. But it requires us placing priority, giving priority, giving first place to the word of God. Mark chapter 4, verse 24, this is in the Amplified, but I love the way it reads. It says, and he said to them, be careful what you are hearing. For the measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you. And more besides will be given to you who hear. What's he saying? What you put in determines what you get out. If you're wondering why the word's not working for you, maybe we haven't been working the word. Maybe we haven't been in it, so therefore it's not getting in us. But Jesus said in John chapter 15, if you abide in me and I abide in you. See, when you get in the word, you'll find that the word will get in you. And when test time comes, you've got something to work off of. And so we've got to give attention. We've got to place value. Give it first place, not second place, not third place. The word works best when it's first place. Number one priority. Last step. Now, let me just identify that the first three all had to do with the word. What does that have to do with being led by the Spirit? I thought you were going to teach us how to be led by the Spirit. Here's the thing. The Holy Spirit and the Word are inseparable. The Holy Spirit will never lead you and never guide you outside of what the Word says. If you don't become familiar with the Word of God, you won't become familiar with the Holy Spirit either. You cannot know what the Holy Spirit is saying if you don't know the Word. Jesus said himself that the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will not speak on his own initiative, but that which the Father says he's going to speak. The Holy Spirit's only going to direct you and guide you based upon what this says. 
if we don't become familiar with this, we'll miss the Holy Spirit. Getting in this is your number one key to being led by the Holy Spirit. Because now when the Holy Spirit speaks up and he's telling you to do the word, you better know what the word says. Better know how to apply it. Better know how to practice it. Better be first place. So that step number four, when the Holy Spirit does speak, we can instantly obey the Holy Spirit. Instantly obey. No hesitation. The quicker you obey, the quicker you'll hear him every time. See, the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. He's not going to get in your face and scream and yell and shout and you know, wave a bunch of flags and signs. He's going to speak and say, hey, we're a believer. We don't act that way. We don't talk that way. No, we, we, don't, we don't do that with our finances. We don't, that's not how a marriage is to operate. When he speaks, we have to learn to instantly obey. And the quicker that we learn to obey when he speaks, the better we'll hear him the next time. The reason I say that is because if you thwart his voice, if you uh, muzzle it, if, if you don't obey it, it'll become harder and harder to hear him every time. Some of us, we're not hearing the Holy Spirit today because when we could hear him, we didn't listen and we didn't obey. And now we've got to retrain ourselves that when he speaks, we do it. When he speaks, we obey. When he speaks, we act. Romans chapter 8, verse 16. Romans chapter 8. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit, that we are children of God. Let me identify this real quick. The Holy Spirit, when he speaks, doesn't speak to your head. Doesn't speak to your ears. He speaks to your spirit. Again, the real you on the inside. Paul calls him the inward man, the new man, recreated in his image. We're a new creation in Christ Jesus. When the Holy Spirit speaks, he speaks to that inward man. And he speaks what God says. And he speaks only what God says. And so we got to train our spirit man to hear the spirit of God. And now that dictates my life. And that's how I, be, that's how I become led by the spirit. Now my soul, my mind, my will, my emotions... Line up with the spirit. My flesh, my body, line up with my spirit. Man was designed from the beginning of time when Adam and Eve were created. Man was designed not to be led by their flesh, but to be led by the spirit. Adam and Eve, where did they get off? When they got moved by what looked good. It looked desirable to make one wise and good for food. It appealed to the flesh. Satan will always appeal to your flesh because he can't appeal to your spirit because your spirit wants nothing to do with the world. Your spirit wants nothing. Your spirit, recreated in the image of God, wants everything that God has for you, period. So, the, so Satan, the only way he can appeal to you is by showing you something that will appeal to your five senses. And when we listen to that over listening to the spirit of God, we get off. Now we're living by the flesh 
And living by the flesh produces death. Living by the Spirit produces life and peace. And so this year in 2014, I don't know about you, but I don't want death. I want life and peace. I don't want failure. I want success. I don't want poverty. I want prosperity. Very simple. I've got to learn to be led by the Spirit of God, not by my senses. Every every opportunity I come into, every circumstance, every situation, I've I've got a choice, got an option. Do I do what the world says or do I do what the Word says? And so we've got to train ourselves. I promise you, I promise you, Look, in, in, in every situation you come into, see, for some people, being led by the Spirit is tricky. But in every situation that we come into, we can get a yes or a no. Not a maybe. Not it's a possibility. Not an if. God is a yes or no God. It's that simple. Will I hear it with my audible voice? Uh, probably not. Sorry. Probably not. Didn't mean to put such a long pause. You're thinking, oh, sweet. I hear his voice. No, it's an inward voice. You know, the world calls it your conscience. Some, sometimes the world calls it a hunch. But we call it the inward witness. And you can get a yes or no. You can get a yes or no. Remember, you know, last summer we talked about the solution, the keys to discovering the will of God. But remember, discovering the will of God does not come without discovering God. We want to know the will of God, but we don't want to know Him. But we can't, you you can't pull the two away. They're, They're inseparable. You have to learn who God is, and he sent his spirit who is just like him to live inside of you, to give you that voice that you can follow every time. we got to become familiar, develop a relationship. You know, Kenneth E. Hagin, he was visited by Jesus five different times, five times. There's not very many people that walk the planet today or have ever walked the planet that can say, yeah, I saw Jesus. He saw him five times. Jesus hung out with them three of those times for over an hour. Sat down, just talked with them. But the last time he visited him, the last time Jesus visited him, he told him, he said, this is the last time I'll ever lead you this way. Because he would give him direction, he would tell him different things, even about his own personal life. But in that last meeting, He said, this is the last time I'll ever visit you this way. From now on, I will lead you by my Holy Spirit like everybody else. I mean, if Jesus is saying, look, you don't need me. All you need is my spirit. Then I think we need to give some attention there. I think we need to learn to become familiar with that voice and be led by that voice. Some of you that this year, the beginning of this year, you may need to shut out some other voices to get back reacquainted with him. You know, sometimes in our marriages, we got to get, there's so many things that 
take our time, that, you know, we don't even know how to be married anymore. And there's times when we just have to get reacquainted, shut everything else out, go on a date. Kids are staying home with someone. We are getting to know each other, developing a relationship. And every now and then we have to do that. You know, it's to be a lifestyle. It's to be a lifestyle. But sometimes we have to take those moments to create the habit again to get reacquainted with who he is. Get reacquainted with that voice. So when he speaks, even though there's other voices, we can point it out. We can hear it. Amen. Father, we thank you this year. We commit ourselves tonight, dedicate ourselves to become familiar with your voice, reacquainted with the voice of the Holy Spirit. We know that the Holy Spirit, he's only going to speak what you say. He's only going to speak what you tell him to say. He's only going to speak according to your heart and according to your word. So, Father, we commit ourselves to put these steps in place. You've given us your Holy Spirit, and we're so thankful. So thankful. You didn't leave us down here by ourselves. We have a helper. And, Father, tonight, we want to use that resource that you've given us that lives inside of us. For those of us that maybe have heard his voice in the past, but it's kind of grown faint, Father, we shut out all the voices, commit ourselves to shutting it all out, shutting it all down, and becoming reacquainted with your spirit. I thank you that he'll speak, will clearly hear, will obey instantly. We love you and we thank you that this year we know the best is yet to come. We know there's greater things. We know there's more. But it's going to require us being led by your spirit. I thank you, Father, for every person here. I pray blessings over them for this new year. I thank you that 2014 will be the best year yet. Best year for businesses. Best year for marriages. Best year for children. Best year for schools. Best year for uh, family. This will be the best year. We thank you for it. We thank you for all your blessings, all that you have done and all that you're going to do. We thank you in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Hallelujah.